Welcome, everybody. Pastor Eli James, along with Dan from Georgia. Welcome to another episode of Genesis to Revelation. And we're in the middle of the book of Genesis, uh, the first 10 chapters where... Exodus. Sorry, Exodus, sorry. Where uh, the plagues of Egypt have been recounted. And uh, there's, there's actually a lot of scientific evidence that these events could be, could be, uh, created by nature. Obviously, they're directed by Yahweh, but uh, Yahweh just uh, doesn't throw things in a vacuum. He utilizes the bacteria, the, the volcanoes, right, uh, the cattle, and whatever he chooses to use to bring judgment upon us and upon the world. Uh, that's what he does, okay? So uh, th- these so-called miracles just don't come out of the blue. They uh, are Yahweh is using natural forces, uh, such as the celestial mechanics of the stars and, and gravity, etc., to make these things happen. And so we're going to be quoting from an article uh, which discusses these uh, plagues of Egypt, starting with the river of blood, because even if there were no divine being named Yahweh, there is a natural explanation for these things. So, you know, Dan, pick it up. I'll share this info in the uh, chat room real quick, okay? Okay. A red river. Another candidate for the Pharaoh is Ramses II from 1303 to 1213 B.C., made popular by the Hollywood epic The Ten Commandments. At this time, the climate of the capital city, Pyre Ramses, was wet and tropical. But towards the end of his reign, the climate became dry and more desert-like. This change has been confirmed by a study of the stalagmites in local Egyptian caves, which have provided a record of the weather patterns of the time. It is possible that the Nile turned from a swiftly flowing river into a sluggish, muddy watercourse due to the rising temperatures and arid conditions. This was the basis of the 1950s naturalistic theory by Greta Hort, who proposed that certain algae, in particular, Hematococcus plovalius and Euglena sanguina, were able to flourish in these conditions. The red color is due to the presence of astaxanthin 
and under the right conditions, the cells can be populous enough to turn water red. Euglena sanguinea is also known to produce the potent ichthyotoxin <laughs> euglovicin. The idea, the idea of an algal, algal bloom is also proposed by Dr. Stephen Flugmacher, who believes that when the Nile changed, it allowed the toxic algae planktothrix rubescens <laughs> to thrive in the warm, slow-moving water. When the algae died, it turned the water red, causing a phenomenon called burgundy blood. And this has been observed in the Gulf of Mexico, even, where algae have turned you know, the shoreline of much of the Gulf of Mexico bright red. Okay? So, uh, so here, of course, uh, blood uh, is a figurative term, but it looks like blood. It's, it's turning the color of blood. And here is a natural explanation for what could, why that river could have turned to blood. You know, Yahweh didn't have to turn it literally into blood, uh, but make it the color of blood. And that's what, and you can see this stuff is pretty toxic. Back to you. Dr. Joanne Burkholder has cited a similar condition in North Carolina in 1996, but caused by Fisteria pisidia. So, is, so there is recorded evidence for this type of event. The ancient historian Josephus Flavius, Flavius reported that the blood red water was undrinkable. The fish died, and the air was filled with a horrid stench. Algal blooms can be harmful to wildlife, as the algae contain a toxin that can accumulate in shellfish and poison the animals that feed on them. Mm -hmm. Fumes from densely concentrated algal blooms can also disperse toxins in the air, causing breathing problems for people. More importantly, a bloom in the water would have killed the fish, allowing amphibians to breed unchecked as fish eat their eggs. Hmm. Studies have shown that tadpoles, when stressed because of a change in their environment, quickly develop into frogs. The toxic water would have caused amphibians to leave and swarm over the land in overwhelming numbers. The amphibians would have stayed away from the deadly river and many would have died, leading to the third plague, lice. Mm -hmm. This could mean lice, fleas, or gnats, based on the Hebrew word kenim. If toxic algal led to the first plague and dead frogs followed, it is not surprising that a swarm of insects would also follow. Very good. So this gives a natural, the, the conditions prevail there. And uh, there have been several uh, volcanic explosions in the area, in the Mediterranean. I think, uh, I don't know if he talks about Santorini in this article. But uh, that has erupted several times, and so it certainly could have erupted during the, these plagues, uh, contributing to these events. So, so please continue. Okay. The ten plagues in the book of Exodus. The first was blood. The waters were turned to blood. And as you pointed out, that's just figurative. Mm -hmm. The fish in the river died, and the Egyptians couldn't drink the foul water. Second plague, frogs. Frogs swarmed froth. Fourth covering every inch of land, entering houses and bedrooms. Third plague, lice, all over Egypt. Folks crawled from forth from the dust to cover the land. Fourth, wild animals. Hordes of wild animals destroyed everything in their path. Fifth, pestilence. A fatal pestilence killed most of the domestic animals of the Egyptians. Sixth were boils. 
The Pharaoh, his servants, the Egyptians, and even their animals develop painful boils all over their bodies. Mm, you know what? That's happening today with the inoculations we're getting, right? It is. It is. And there's a, um, a, a disease of the blood uh, in the book of Revelation. So uh, because you were gone last, uh, the last Saturday of last month, uh, we didn't do a New Testament uh, parallel. I think uh, at the end of this month, we'll definitely do a Book of Revelation parallel to these uh, plagues of Egypt because uh, there's no doubt that the Book of Revelation has predicted that uh, this jab, the gates jab, is the mark of the beast. But there's also a, pr a prediction that something is, we're going to have a disease of the blood. And that's what they're injecting to us uh, to give us a disease of the blood. People who have put uh, the blood of injected people under microscope show that it is unable uh, to carry oxygen. Okay? So uh, this is horrible, folks. Uh, uh, we can't stress enough here at Eurofolk Radio not to get the jab. It is a deadly substance that they're putting into you. Not only will it turn you into a walking credit card and debit card to, to track you, but it will slowly kill you. And uh, I'm going to do a major report on, about that tonight on the Restoration Hour. And uh, the antidote, which I have done a show about um, pine needle tea in the past. There's more information that has come out about pine needle tea and how it does block the uh, activate active ingredients of the gates jab so this is very important information i just want to make that quick announcement okay back to you dan eli i saw a video and maybe you've seen it too where they somebody had a magnet and they put the magnet up near where the injection site was and like the magnet right uh, went you know went into them like like was attracted to their skin Right? Yeah. Have well, you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. There are several people you know, using their Twitter accounts to post videos on that. And it doesn't work for every vaccine. I think it's only the it's either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine because they vary slightly in their composition. So that must have some metallic, you know, iron, uh, you know, bits of iron in the vaccine. It caused the magnets to stick. Right. Wow. Yeah. No, that's that's a real phenomenon. And maybe I'll make that part of the report tonight as well. All right. But okay. uh, yeah. And then also uh, a lady and uh, who used to be a nurse uh, went out of the field because uh, she was unable to perform her duties as a nurse and went into uh, a different, completely different field. Namely, uh, a personnel uh, company, you know, that finds personnel for big companies. And she reports that the big oil companies in America are projecting the loss of 50% of their employees, namely those who have gotten the jab. Okay? So I'm going to be doing a major report wow. on that tonight. Okay, this is serious folk stuff. This is revelation coming true right before our very eyes. All right. And so this is, uh, uh, as I've been saying, I think when we were on a talk show many years ago, you know, we did a comparison of, uh, you know, the plagues of Egypt and the seven last plagues of Revelation. But now we have way more information to go on. So I think we'll do an update on that at the end of the month. Okay, back to you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I was going to ask you about the this this vaccine, and I gosh, I can't remember what it was now. Maybe it'll come to me. Uh, yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah, but uh, 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 Swamp Fox posts in the chat room the Alabama Crimson Tide because I was talking about the Gulf of Mexico turning bright red because of these algae. I guess they're named after that red algae that causes the Gulf of Mexico to turn red. <laughs> it never occurred to me. That's probably what their name means. You know, but they, they're, uh, what do you call it? Their uh, mascot is an elephant. I don't know why they chose an elephant. There's no, there were never any elephants in America. Maybe the circus came to town when when they chose. A, uh, okay. All right. And now, Brother Bear says, not only magnets, now scissors, keys, and phones are sticking to the jab site. Can you believe this stuff? Oh, All wow. Right? Okay. So, anyway, it gets worse and worse and worse. All I can tell Everybody, every listener to Eurofolk Radio, and we're doing our best to warn people that uh, this, and and I'm going to be posting a a video about the Flexner Report commissioned by the Carnegies and the Rockefellers to, uh, how should I put this, to put the other modalities of healing, such as chiropractic, naturopathy, napropathy, put them out of business. Uh, and this began in 1920. So the entire allopathic medical machine, and that's what it is, it's a machine, ha- has been designed from the very beginning to destroy natural health modalities. So you, you can know the medical profession has never been a trustworthy profession, and it's it, now it's, it's fruit is uh, showing. Its fruit is showing, folks. All right, Dan, back to you. Their job is not to heal. Their job no. is to just cover up the symptoms. Right, and make money off and, of and management. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, they, what do you call it, the, uh, the, the patents they get on these drugs are derived from nature. So they have to synthesize something from nature in order to get a patent. So everything they do is unnatural, folks. That's all I can say. It's unnatural. The medical profession, and of course, we know it's controlled by Satan in, in the form of Jewish-owned uh, pharmaceutical companies, right? So, yeah, exactly. yeah and, okay. And, but there's more and more doctors making videos condemning this whole system, okay? And so I'm going to be doing a report on that tonight. So be sure to be around for Restoration Hour, folks. All right, back to you, Dan. I, I don't know why anybody would have rushed out and gotten that vaccine without I it. Can't. They didn't yeah. even put it through any any trials, hardly. I mean, normally it takes years to go through clinical trials before a drug comes to market. But, you know, this one was just rushed through. But, you know, they had it in the works for a long time. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's well over 100 years, just like the Federal Reserve. <laughs> you came around yeah. in 1913. Yep. And, then, uh, and Brother Hebert mentions the Judeo-Christianity. It came around the same time, right? Uh, they were planning that around 1913, 1920. So here we are. It's all bearing evil fruit as we speak. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll continue with the uh, the plagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the seventh one, fiery hail. Hail struck down all the crops in the fields and shattered every tree. Uh, number eight, locusts. The locusts covered the face of the land and swallowed up every crop and all the fruits of the trees. Number nine was darkness, a thick darkness over the land of Egypt, so that the Egyptians had to feel their way around. And the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn. All firstborn Egyptian sons and firstborn cattle died. Israelites marked lamb's blood above their door and were passed over, hence the term Passover. Right. Should be not Easter. 
Yes, Passover. and right, exactly Passover. And uh, I think the only uh, verse in Revelation I can think of that matches that scenario is I think it's seven thirteen, uh, Revelation seven thirteen, where uh, we get the mark uh, of uh, uh, oh, what, what does it call it? Uh, mark in the forehead, but it's not the mark of the beast. It's our uh, our allegiance to Yahweh's laws. Okay that we get a pass if we obey his laws, we will not uh, suffer these plagues, okay? Very important subject. We'll cover that at the end of the month when we do a survey of the plagues of Egypt and uh, the plagues we're undergoing right now. Okay, back to you. Yeah, I think you're thinking of uh, Revelation 14, 9, and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the evil mark. That's the mark of the people who are taking the jab. They're getting that mark. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're getting that mark. But there's another mark. Uh, uh, as you continue, maybe I'll bring that up. Uh, that uh, is actually a beneficial mark in, in the forehead of the true Israelites who uh, worship Yahweh and uh, obey his laws and uh, follow the book of Revelation, follow both the Old and New Testament. So, yeah, please continue. I'll see if I can, uh, because it's a very important verse. All right, go ahead. Okay, the plagues continue. The lack of frogs in the river would have let insect populations, normally kept in check by the frogs, increase massively. The rotting corpses of fish and frogs would have attracted significantly more insects to the areas near the Nile. If so, an infestation with certain insects could have set the stage for the later plagues. Scientists have theorized that the sickness that killed the beasts of the field for Egyptians in later plagues might have been blue tongue or African horse sickness. Mm. These are (laughs) orbiviruses of the Rioviridae family, both of which can be spread by insects of the Colise. Colicinoid species. Marr and Malloy argued that the fourth plague represents a swarm of flies, such as the stable fly, Stomoxus calcitrans. Studies have shown that cattle heavily infested with stable flies can become anemic and have lower milk yields. The stable fly also bites humans and could have led to the boils that occurred as part of the sixth plague. In many parts of the world, the species is a carrier of trypanosomid parasites, including Trypanosoma evansi and Trypanosoma brucei. There would have also been an increase in the common housefly, Musca domestica, which belongs to a group of flies often referred to as filth flies. Oh, aren't they all filthy? <laughs> <laughs> I right. didn't know there was a clean fly. Yeah, right. They all they all uh, run around on excrement <laughs> in their daily lives, right? So we can expect all. It's happening again, folks. You know the the, uh, the radiation coming from your cell phones and five G towers, etc., is killing off the uh, you know the good uh, animals and leaving carcasses which attract flies. Okay, and other, you know, filthy bugs, <laughs> right? So it's going to be an itchy time, Dan. It's going to be yeah. a very itchy time. Back to you. The housefly has been in existence since the origin of human life. 
is well adapted to life in human habitations and acts as a potential vector of diseases. A recent study found that over 100 pathogens, including bacteria such as E. coli and S. aureus viruses, fungi, and parasites have been associated with, with this prolific insect. So it is not surprising that people would have been suffering from increased illnesses. Could the boils have been caused by S. aureus? Mm-hmm. Good question. All the right. fifth plague, which killed off the Egyptian livestock, has similarities of Rinderpest, a member of the genus Morbillivirus, a member of the Paramoxiviridae family. This causes high fever, diarrhea, and ulcers in the mouths and noses. Rinderpest is spread between animals by direct contact and possibly aerosol over limited distances. Mm -hmm. The virus can be spread via secretions from the eyes, nose, or mouth, and the feces, urine, blood, milk, or reproductive fluids of infected animals. Okay, and infected people, too. (laughs) Okay. Then, around 1600 B.C., the plume of another Santorini eruption, there's what you were talking about, Santorini, right. okay. yeah. may have been responsible for the 7th, 8th, and 9th plagues, the fiery hail, the locusts, and the days of darkness. According to the archaeologist Charles Pellegrino, the Santorini eruptions would have been comparable with the Mount St. Helens eruption of 1980, and this volcanic plume, coupled with high-velocity dust storms, could have rained down in Egypt thereby turning days into nights and causing weather anomalies with increased precipitations and higher humidity. It is possible that when the volcanic ash mixed with, th- with thunderstorms above Egypt, it led to dramatic hailstorms. Mm. This could have created the conditions which caused the infamous desert locusts to change from the solitary to the more gregarious form. Not only are they more sociable, as they change in appearance, becoming stronger, darker in color, and more mobile. Mm. They can swarm over long distances, and according to the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization, when they get hungry, a one-ton horde of locusts can eat the same amount of food in one day as 2,500 humans. Wow. Robo-locusts. Yeah. Such a pestilence would devour all the remaining plants that the hail did not destroy. Archaeologists have always believed that the last plague— The death of the firstborn male was caused by wheat infested with a fungus. But this seems unlikely since infants died also, and they would probably not have been eating grain. Also, why were some children spared? There is a similar historical precedent where ergot fungi infected rye grain and is believed to have precipitated the Salem witch trials in the winter of 1692 where it may have been the cause for the hallucinations, trances, seizures, and violent behaviors that were the supposed signs of being a witch. Although ergot did not cause death in the settlers, it is unclear why it affected some people and not others. A similar fungus could have infected the Egyptian grain. Well, it depends on who ate it. Okay, not everybody ate right. it. Okay, so uh, uh, apparently well, the diet of the Egyptians was somewhat different from the diet of the Israelites. Right. So, so more Egyptians would have succumbed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, this is why we have to obey Yahweh's food laws, folks. Exactly. Okay. All right. <clears throat> it is very okay. easy to dismiss the plagues as a fable 
when confronted with natural events. Oh, okay, before you continue, uh, I found a verse in Revelation. It's Revelation chapter 7. It's called the sealing of the foreheads of the faithful. Okay, and I'll just read from uh, verse 4, Revelation 7, 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all of the tribes of the children of Israel. This is the sealing of the tribes in their foreheads, okay, which I can only interpret as being, well, we have Yahweh, his son Yahshua, the Holy Spirit in our minds, constantly in our minds, thinking about, you know, getting ready for the judgment day and preparing ourselves for the kingdom, okay? So Revelation 7, 1 through 4, uh, I'll just make this part of tonight's show on the Restoration Hour, okay? Back to you. Do you think that is a literal number, that 144,000? Well, I or think figurative or, or yeah. You know. Well, I think it's both. Uh, I think the, there's literally twelve thousand of each of the twelve tribes will be admitted into the kingdom, and we will administer the kingdom, okay? And we'll uh, we'll change into our glory bodies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, I think others will be admitted into the kingdom as well. Uh, their functions are not really clear, but they'll probably just be citizens of the kingdom, for lack of a better way of putting it. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, so I think, but these are certainly these are the ones that are guaranteed to get into the kingdom and will run it. Okay, all right, gotcha. Back to you. Okay, okay. Conclusion: Were the plagues an ecological domino effect or divine intervention? It is very easy to dismiss the plagues as a fable when confronted with natural events such as volcanic eruptions, thunder, and desert sandstorms driving locusts into Egypt. But there are many problems with trying to analyze historical events from contemporary records. Often it is difficult to work out where or when they happened. In this instance, the period for the plagues of Egypt is sometime between the years 1570 and 1440 B.C., depending on who was writing about them. Eusebius Pamphili from 263 to 339 A.D., the first church historian, believed the specific date to be 1446 B.C. And yes, there were the theory of volcanic eruptions in around 1630 to 1600 B.C., one of which is described as the largest on record. But it was 1,050 uh, kilometers, or 650 miles, away from the northwest part of Egypt. They should just drop this kilometer business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, 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 don't, we don't want kilometers. We want miles. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's several choices uh, of eruptions here. Uh, but, yeah, the, the timing is more 1400 B.C. than 1600 B.C. Okay. So uh, it depends on which analyst and uh, which which eruption you pick, whether it's Santorini or, or Thera. There's a lot, a lot, large number of uh, eruptions to choose from that all could have done this. Back to you. And the eruption was many years before the exodus took place. The eruption would have only caused some of the plagues, if one or other of the dates is wrong. I'm not a theologian and rely on empirical evidence to make decisions, but occasionally there is a question where you ask, what if? Okay. So anyway, so he admits he's not a theologian, but he's trying to explain the plagues uh, from a scientific and historical point of view. And uh, this is a very good article. It's a good starting point. 
Okay. All right. So let's go back into uh, Revelation. I'm sorry. Je- <laughs> Exodus. <laughs> Exodus. We're in Exodus now, folks. Exodus chapter 10. Let's just take it from the top. I don't remember where we left off last week. All right. Back to you. Okay. Uh, yeah. Chapter 10, I think, is where we left off. Okay. We're on the eighth plague with the locusts. Chapter 10, verse 1. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am Yahweh. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith Yahweh God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast. And they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remains unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill thy houses, and the houses of all thy servants, (laughs) and the houses of all the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. which neither thy fathers nor thy father's fathers have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. All right, can and we, can we spec- Sorry, can we speculate that we might have another dust storm as uh, society collapses and the farmers, you know, right now in central Illinois and uh, surrounding states, we're having a really serious drought. A really serious drought. So we can expect uh, food prices to rise. Uh, we can expect, you know, everything that's Remember the dust storms of the 20s and 30s? Uh, this yeah. may repeat itself, folks. All right, back to you. Verse 7. And Pharaoh's servant said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go that they may serve Yahweh their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve Yahweh your God, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast unto Yahweh. And he said unto them, Let Yahweh be so with you, as I will let you go and your little ones. Look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve Yahweh, for that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up unto the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail has left. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and Yahweh brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coasts of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them there were no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they did eat every her herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left and there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field through all the land of Egypt then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste 
And he said, I have sinned against Yahweh, your God, and against you. Now, therefore, forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat Yahweh your God that he may take away from me this death only. And he went out from Pharaoh and entreated Yahweh. And Yahweh turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And now we come to the ninth plague, which was the darkness. Verse 21, And Yahweh said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve Yahweh, only let your flocks and your, her and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto Yahweh our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind. For therefore we must take to serve Yahweh our God. And we know not what with we must serve Yahweh until we come thither. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and we, he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. Uh, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and Moses said, Thou hast spoken well, I will see thy face again no more. Very End good. chapter 10. Yeah. Okay, so this is the uh, the build up to the the Exodus, folks. And uh, wow, the, we we are going to be exiting this world order very soon, folks. Uh, the the big exit <laughs> of of Yahweh's people from this uh, Jew world order has been arranged. It, we're just trying to figure out the timing, but everything's set in place, just like these plagues in uh, the book of Exodus. Uh, all occurred in a certain order, we're going to see, because one follows the other, you know, just as the frogs had to leave the stinky water and cover the land, they died, and then the insects came, and and the, and the flies came, etc., etc. There's an order here, folks. It's going to happen again. Back to you. Let's do chapter 11. Okay. I think it's also interesting how we it continually states Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Right. Yeah. So we have to remember that ultimately he is in control of all of this. Right, yeah, and uh, he was doing this uh, to demonstrate to the Israelites that uh, I'm going to make you uh, obey my <laughs> obey me. I'm going to make exactly. you obey me, you know, in this circumstance uh, by hardening Pharaoh's heart, okay? Because the fact is most of the Israelites were comfortable in their slavery and didn't want to leave. Kind of like today. That's right. Yeah, they, they don't want to obey Yahweh. You know, they're comfortable in their, uh, what do you call it, their enslavement to big pharma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exodus exactly. 11. Yeah. Chapter 11. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. 
Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And Yahweh gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man of Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith Yahweh, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that Yahweh does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. End of chapter 11. <clears throat> Okay. All right. I lost my place here. Yeah, well, let's go to chapter 12. Chapter 12. Okay, and Yahweh yeah. spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the, uh, if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Okay, now this is uh, very important here because the Passover in which uh, Yahshua Messiah was sacrificed, uh, his, uh, this is called the selection day. The tenth day of the month is the selection day. Okay. And he was selected when he rode into Jerusalem to all kinds of accolades and cheers and a red carpet, practically. Uh, that was selection day, but only a few days later he was executed, right? So this is uh, his, his passion followed this script to a T, folks, followed it to a T. So uh, very important to understand this. Uh, this is the uh, blueprint for the passion back to you and the actual first day of the year hebrew year was on the spring equinox correct that's correct yes yeah okay Ch uh verse 5 of exodus chapter 12 your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of israel shall kill it in the evening Okay, that, that, that lamb will not be genetically modified, <laughs> all right? It'll be a pure, uh, a pure sh sheep uh, DNA without any modification. Back to you. 
Yeah, the, the, this lamb is a as a type of of Christ when that, uh, right exactly represents he was because, sacrificed. Yeah, yeah, and he had perfect DNA also. Right. Right. Okay, that's that's the significance. Uh, a lamb without blemish. Very important yep. phrase here. Yeah. Uh, verse seven, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it, and they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remain remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Mm. And in the first day there shall be unholy convocation. And in the seventh day, there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month of the 14th day of the month that even you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your house. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For Yahweh will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, Yahweh will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you be come to the land which Yahweh will give you, according as he has promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean you by this service? that you shall say it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. 
And the people bowed the head and worshiped. And the children of Israel went away, as did Yahweh had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Verse 29, and it came to pass that at midnight Yahweh smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve Yahweh as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people, that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. Yeah. <laughs> and the people right. took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading trust being bound up in their clothes and upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And Yahweh gave the people favor in the, eye, in the sight of the Egyptians, so that, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds and very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought forth out of Egypt. For it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt, and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel, who dwelt in Egypt, was four hundred and thirty years. And it came to pass, at the end of the four hundred and thirty years, even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of Yahweh went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto Yahweh for bringing them out from the land. This yes. is that night of Yahweh to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. Okay, so now observe the timing. Everything is uh, from the spring equinox. The selection day is the 10th day. Then we have the Passover on the 14th day. Then we have the uh, Sabbath on the 15th. So the first Sabbath is the first day, the spring equinox. Then the 8th day is a Sabbath. Then the 15th day is a Sabbath. And then the following 7th day is another Sabbath. And we just continue one Sabbath after another. The order of these events must follow these instructions. Must follow them, okay? And anybody who deviates from these instructions is doing it wrong. So, for example, in this year... Uh, and uh, Brother Aber put out an, ex an outstanding calendar, uh, which uh, is d d dedicated to the women of Israel, the famous women of Israel. And we have been endeavoring to follow this prescription uh, very, very closely. Okay, most Christians do not follow this at all. Okay, and certain the Jews don't either, because I looked at the Passover observed by the Jews this year. Their uh, Passover. Uh, from because they follow the moon, okay, they, they look for the crescent of the moon. Their Passover was 16 days from what they consider to be the beginning of the year. So it, it didn't follow these instructions, and they never do. 
the Jews never follow these instructions. They just make make their make their Passover up year to year. Okay, so uh, we're the only ones who follow these exact instru- instructions. We in identity. There's nobody else who follows these instructions, and uh, the the purpose was to get because when Yahshua was sacrificed, that whole scenario was scripted down to the very moment of death on the cross. Okay, to follow this, to follow this. So we need to commemorate this because we are his people Israel and we need to follow these instructions as closely as possible. And those who eat unleavened, those who eat leavened bread during this feast, well, they still have the option in, the, in this age, uh, let's call it the age of grace, where we still have the ability to repent and uh, get, make our lives right with Yahweh. And we're talking about an urgent uh, instruction here. That, okay, you're going to leave tonight, folks. <laughs> Make up your uh, unleavened bread. Bring it with you. Uh, eat the Passover. Bring unleavened bread with you because I want you to not eat leavened bread for the coming week. Okay? So uh, this is all in remembrance of our ancestors who went through this. And we are the descendants of these people, folks, not the Jews. All right, back to you. So it's very important that we, we follow the solar calendar. That's what and we should be following. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And not these lunar uh, per- permutations <laughs> right. of the calendar that the Jews are the ones who started all that. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, Exodus chapter 12, verse 43. And Yahweh said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall be no stranger eat thereof. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, no stranger, and what's the word here? Uh, uh, nekar. No nekar shall... A non-Israelite. Right, a non-Israelite, okay. Uh, foreigner, heathendom, alien. Now, uh, Brother Abar and I have discussed this, and he's been doing word studies along these lines. There are what I would call figurative uses of this word nekar among the Israelites when uh, they... Um, when a particular Israelite is being repentant and sorrowful and self, uh, uh, self-critical, they might refer to themselves as a nekar, but you know, that is a figurative usage of the word. Uh, but it's very clear here that some strangers are not to uh, take part in our rituals. In our feast days, etc., etc. Okay, here's first evidence that strange, certain strangers shall not partake of our Passover. Back to you. Verse 44. But every man's servant that is brought bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. Okay, and of course we're talking about Adamites, you know, in particular Hebrews, because uh, the Hebrews, and it could be, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Hamites as well. You know, because it said a mixed multitude, so there might have been Hamites. I doubt there would have been Japhethites, because the Japhethites all went north at the uh, disruption of uh, the Babylon Tower, okay? The Japhethites primarily went north. So there would have been Hamites and Hebrews, you know, in this this crowd. Back to you. Verse 45. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. Okay, so what's the foreigner? It's Toshab. This is, again, so there are certain types of strangers slash foreigners who are not to partake with, uh, of our rituals with us. Okay? And uh, that law hasn't changed, folks. Back to you. 
again, proving that this book that we know as the Bible was written for us, right. not written for the entire world. Amen. Okay. Verse 46. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house. Neither shall you break a bone thereof. All the okay. congregation of Israel shall keep it. Mm -hmm. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to Yahweh, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for okay. no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is home born, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as Yahweh commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. So the stranger and, that is favored here is Ger, G-E-R in Hebrew, okay? Completely, which is yeah. someone who, an Israelite who's sojourning with. Right, uh, and who has been estranged from uh, the, the major main congregation of Israel, but is an Israelite, okay? Yeah. So, yeah, and he can, he can become a servant, for, but uh, the instruction here, he, he must be circumcised before he can become a servant, okay? Following the Abrahamic covenant. Back to you. Last verse, verse 51. And it came to pass that selfsame day that Yahweh did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, by their armies. Okay, armies. Okay, so there are armies of Israelites, right? But uh, they were probably uh, defenseless. They didn't have weapons. I'm sure the Egyptians prevented them from gathering weapons, although some of them might, might have sec secreted some uh, weapons away. But uh, I'm sure the vast majority did not have weapons. So they were utterly defenseless. Guess what, folks? We're utterly defenseless against the New World Order as we speak. Except uh, we can defend our homesteads, but uh, raising an army against them, that would be tough, folks. All right, let's go into Exodus 13. We can pr probably cover a few verses in the time we have left. All right, Exodus chapter 13. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And for by strength of hand Yahweh brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month of Eb. And it shall be when Yahweh shall bring thee unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which ye swear unto thy fathers to give thee, a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to Yahweh. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, this is done because of that which Yahweh did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, that Yahweh's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand Yahweh brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. And it okay. shall be when Yahweh shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, 
that thou shalt set apart unto Yahweh all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh out of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be Yahweh's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the firstborn of man among thy children thou shalt thou redeem. And it shall be when thy son asked thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand Yahweh brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that Yahweh slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to Yahweh all that opens the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand, and for frontless between thine eyes, and for strength of hand Yahweh brought us forth out of Egypt. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. <laughs> but, okay. yeah. but God led the people about, God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And Yahweh went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. End of chapter 13. Okay, and obviously that pillar of fire that guides us today is the gospel, <laughs> right? And it that should have been translated the Sea of Reeds, not the Red Sea. It should have been translated the Sea of Reeds because that's, that's really what the word means, okay? So here we are. We're getting ready to experience another exodus, right? But I think in this case, we're going to have to stay put because we're going to have to survive what's getting ready to happen, okay? And, uh, oh, I forget the uh, verse, there's, but there's a verse in Isaiah where uh, it says uh, to the Israelites, hide yourselves until the, uh, the plague has passed, right? And boy, are we going to be experiencing plagues from this moment on, okay? It started in January 20, 2020, when they declared the so-called COVID emergency, it was planned at the uh, 2019 event. Uh, uh, not, uh, I forget what they call it. Event 201. It was planned and carried out a few months later. And they have their plan by which they want to take over the world. And uh, we have to resist it. And those of us, those Israelites and anybody else who does not resist it, is going to succumb to it. They're going to have a plague of dry blood 
in their bodies. Okay, that's what's going to happen, folks. All right, uh, thanks uh, for narrating, Dan. Stay tuned yes, to sir. your stay tuned to your folk radio for the latest updates on these last plagues because that's what we're going through, and we'll try to keep everybody prepared and knowing what to do as things get worse. They will get worse. The Rockefellers and the Rothschilds are not going to give up. They're going to carry this out to the bitter end, and so we have to be prepared for that. Okay, thank you, Dan. Great, thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Yahweh bless and stay healthy. Don't take the jab. Bye-bye.